Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 710 with Kyle Noonan. You need to either be helpful to people or entertaining to people. One of the two. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Don Professional, it does more than just save greasy oil slicking ducks. It also happens to be the number one dish detergent found in almost every commercial kitchen with long lasting suds that clean 58% more dishes per sink. To learn more, go to www.pgpro.com and experience the grease fighting power of Don Professional dishwashing liquid. You can find Don Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Don professional for years restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants and they finally got it restaurant 365 is a cloud-based all-in-one restaurant specific accounting and back office platform that seamlessly integrates with pos systems payroll providers and food and beverage vendors head over to restaurant 365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30 percent off implementation and a free inventory build in restaurant 365 a value of five thousand dollars what's going on unstoppable so we have a great show for you today i got kyle noonan back on the show for a second time and uh kyle was actually going to come back on the show originally to uh be a part of the corona chronicles but i think it's time that you know we start focusing on what we can do to come out of this thing i don't think people want to be battered with coronavirus content anymore to be completely frank i think people want a sense of normalcy so i want to bring back restaurant stoppable uh, i won't be able to travel on site obviously for a little while longer but i'm going to be recording the content remotely like i was doing a few years back and hopefully soon we can get back on site we can be traveling again i can't wait honestly uh but as I mentioned, this was going to be a Corona Chronicle. I decided just to pick up the conversation where we left off, and I actually have one more Corona Chronicle coming at you. Tomorrow's episode, session 45 of the Corona Chronicles, will be the last. It's with Tipsy, and um, they're giving away five months. I don't know if you're familiar with Tipsy, but it's basically the world's largest archive of video tutorials for the hospitality industry, from anywhere to how to read a P&L, all the way to how to pour uh, a glass of wine at a table or how to port a table glass wine. Um, so it's, it's really interesting stuff over 700 videos of these types of tutorials and they're giving away access to those videos, those how to's, uh, five months free. Uh, so we're going to be drawing attention to that tomorrow. Cause I think it's just a great resource and I love the folks over there at tipsy, but today we pick up the conversation with Kyle, uh, episode 598 over a year ago, he was on the show and there's a lot of cool things happening, uh, with his business free range concepts. Um, they were about to scale, uh, massively with uh mutt's canine cantina. So we, we talk a lot about that today. Uh, really interesting, cool things came out of that conversation. Like, uh, the things to consider when you when you know you're going to scale a concept. They're doing some really interesting stuff over there, like doing free uh, prefab buildings uh, to make that that whole process of scaling and building the build outs much more streamlined and much more cost effective. And um, we talk about their their model for uh, doing membership models. Uh, 
I think that's going to be I mean, one thing we talk about a lot right now is we get to choose about you know what the, what's the future going to look like. We get to choose, right? And I think that one thing we can do is be better about how we're being profitable uh, in take uh, you know adopting a membership model of getting creative, finding ways to add value to the world is definitely one of those those things we can come back uh, in the new the new version of the industry. I would love to see people leveraging that. So we talk about that today. What's also really great about today's conversation is prior to COVID-19, none of Kyle's concepts at free range concepts uh, were set up for pickup or delivery. And then over the past month, they've had to pivot all of their uh, concepts to be able to handle this. And they've done an incredible job. And he takes us through that process, the the things they're doing, uh, the things that they had to consider that might also be the case for you. So really great episode. So with no further ado, here it is. Kyle Noonan, enjoy. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you back on the show for a second time, Kyle Noonan, my man. Kyle, are you feeling unstoppable today? If a worldwide pandemic didn't stop me, then I don't know what will. So yes, <laughs> that's the attitude. So let me just give the listeners an idea of who we're talking to: uh, college friends and free range concept founders. Kyle Noonan and Josh Shepkowitz have a combined twenty-two years of experience in the restaurant and hospitality industry, including hospital uh, hospitality management, operations, acquisitions, and divestitures, uh, and new store openings for multi-million-dollar concepts. It was in two thousand ten when the pair decided to go into business together. At after a two or two years of planning and with oh, only $50,000, they bootstrapped their first concept, Bowl and Barrel. Seven years later, the duo has scaled to or into 10 total locations uh, consisting of four unique concepts with the addition of Mutt's Canine Cantina, the Rustic and the General Public. Um, this, those were the numbers that you were at the last time I spoke to you. What's changed over the past year? Well, um, let's, let's table the, uh, the global pandemic for a second. I'll just kind of get you caught up to to where we were at before this, um, the world changed. Uh, we, we went, we were, um, about to, to open our 13th location. Okay. Um, so we opened uh, a handful more since we talked last, uh, we were actually supposed to open our 13th location this month. Uh, in Houston, Texas, which would have been our fourth rustic. Um, and then obviously that, uh, that's put on hold for now. Yeah. Um, and then we had our, uh, or excuse me, that was our 13th location. Our 14, our, our 12th location was going to be, uh, a new concept in Dallas, Texas, uh, which will still happen this year, hopefully. But, um, but, uh, again, we don't really know what to expect yeah, it's hard over to the say. next six months or so. So it's really so hard we'll, to say. Yeah. So um, the, you were on the show. It was almost. It was over a year ago. Your episode five hundred and ninety eight. The first time you were on the show. So if you guys want to hit pause right now, go back to uh, episode five hundred ninety eight. Get caught up. It was one of our better interviews on the show. That's why Kyle's back here to continue the conversation. Um, so like. A, we talked about the last time you're you're on the show. You were at ten locations. You have opened one additional, and there's two in the, the works. Did I hear that correctly? There, that's correct. Okay. Yes. So, um, where does it make sense to start talking about your story? Has anything changed? Any big lessons? Any you know curveballs that have come at you that you can share with us over the the past year aside from COVID nineteen? Oh, almost sure, forgot. I, Shoot, I almost forgot. We got to get that motivational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. It's a tradition yes. here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Absolutely. Well, so, I love it. And I, I'll tell you the, the words that I live by um, and that really our company lives by is you, 
if you help enough other people get what they want, yes. you can have everything that you want. Yes, dude. And that resonates so deeply with me because that's yeah. literally the quote that resonated with me to get my ass into gear to start this podcast. That if I can help enough other people get what they want, someday I'll get what I want. So it's, there's so much power in that quote. And how's it Absolutely. served you? I mean, that, and that's really the heart of this, the, the hospitality industry, right? I mean, the hospitality industry is about helping others and, and kind of having a servant mindset. Um, and so that's, if you're, if you're really not plugged in that way, then you're in the wrong business. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's absolutely been a trend that I picked up on with successful restaurateurs that they understand at the end of the day, if they make it about everybody else, their, their employees, their guests, and they, they put it all out there for those people that they will be taken care of. That That's human equity. Human capital is the best security out there. And we take care of people. They will no take question. care of you. Absolutely. No question. Um, great way to get this thing started. So like I just asked before the success quote, what's new, what's changed over the past year? What are the yeah. lessons? So um, we have multiple brands. We've been uh, we've been growing. We've been busy. Um, and I will say our brands are all large scale venues. Um, you know, a rustic, for example, employs over 250 people. So um, you know, opening a rustic, for example, is is no small feat. It's it's a big undertaking. Um, there are 30,000 square foot venues. Um, you know, hundreds of people that you have to onboard and train and teach how to operate as one unit and, and, and a cohesive group. Um, so we don't grow at, we're, we're never going to be the company that, that says, yes, we're going to go and do 40 restaurants this year. Um, we like a, a steady, healthy pace of two, maybe three a year at the high end three. Um, but, but two is probably kind of our sweet spot. Um, every six months, if we could, if we can open a unit, we'd be very happy with that. Um, and so we've been kind of on that trajectory since you and I talked last. Um, we've opened a, a couple of units. Um, another really interesting thing that we've done since we talked last is our Mutz brand, uh, which is a, uh, a full-service restaurant and bar that overlooks a private membership-based dog park. For those of you who didn't listen to the last episode or aren't familiar with the brand, um, it, it's think country club for dogs. So you can sit out there, let your dog run around. You get a glass of wine, hang out under an oak tree. Bark Rangers are in the park, taking care of the dog. Bark Rangers. Uh, I love it, dude. Bark Rangers. Branded. Um, so that brand we've decided to grow through the franchise model. Everything else is corporate owned, but we, um, we started, uh, at the uh, middle of last year, uh, actually selling franchises that, that process to, to become, uh, I guess, legal to sell franchises, get all the FTD documents throughout all 50 states. Took us about a year. Um, So we started selling franchises um, middle of last year, and so far we've sold 11. Um, Congratulations. So that that brand will be growing pretty quickly. Um, That brand has uh, been awarded – through numerous publications and uh, it's just been, it's just been kind of a hot brand. Um, so we're really excited about the growth prospect there. I, I um, have we, questions. I, I got to pull back some layer, layers on this because these questions are running through my head. So it's kind of interesting because you just got done saying that our approach um, with our concepts has been to slow and has been to be slow and steady releasing two, right. three max a year, slow and steady. Correct. It's the long game. Meanwhile, you have another one of your concepts where you're taking the franchise approach uh, and you've opened 11 in the past year. Um, right. So how do you, 
where do you draw the lines? How do you, you know, how do you pick and choose which concepts will be do well in a fast scale? Uh, whereas sure. which concepts were going to take the slow and steady long game approach? How do you right. make those decisions? So, um, it really comes down to two things. Uh, the first one is, does the business model make sense to do it internally or does it make more sense to, to scale through the franchise model? And there's some elements to that that I'll get into. But the other thing is um, the unique component about Mutz or the, one of the unique things about Mutz is it really created a category. Um, it was its own dog park restaurant bar didn't exist before Mutz. And so it feels like all of Austin, Texas is a dog park restaurant, but anyway, um, just having that kind of business model where the dogs pay a membership, uh, a monthly fee to be a member there. Um, it, it, it's, it created its own category. And so because of that, we felt it was important that we become kind of first to market, uh, because we started seeing people go, Oh, that's, that's a great idea. I want to do that too. And so they, you know, might attempt to rip us off. Now, fortunately, um, for us, our brand, our, our, our much units have stood the test of time so far. I mean, they've, they've lasted, um, the other competitors haven't. Um, so that's a good, that's a good thing because it, it's a business model that took us some time to figure out. It took us five years to, to fine tune it and, and really understand what, what that business was, uh, before we could start growing it. So that, that's one of the motivating factors was we wanted to be first to market with Mutz. And the only way to really do that is through the franchise model and kind of, I guess, crowdsource, so to speak, the, uh, the ownership and the operators. So uh, that was one motivation. But also the Mutz brand, the business model is, is, is a very simple, interesting, uh, finely tuned business model because uh, I'll give you an example. The, um, the building, the building is actually a free prefab building that is built in Atlanta, Georgia. So when you find, when you locate your site, your park, which you need about, you, you need at least an acre. Um, you call order your building. It comes about six weeks later, fully equipped all the way down to paper towel roll holders and, uh, you know, hand soap dispensers. I mean, all equipment is in place. Uh, that building gets dropped on site. It takes about a week to hook up utilities and you're off and running. So, so from a, from a, uh, a capital standpoint and from a, uh, ease of operation standpoint, it's a very franchise friendly business. I mean, it's also from a kitchen standpoint, we're, we're, we have a very streamlined menu. Um, I took a page out of one of one of my friends and mentors owns a concept called Raising Canes. Oh, um, and he. Uh, I wonder if it's a past you know, guest. Uh, Todd was maybe I don't know, but I've, I had yeah. Paul uh, Paul Tunerman on the show. He was uh, okay. Pretty sorry to interrupt, but uh, yeah, love that brand. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, so talking to Todd, uh, he 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 has five hundred units, and he he'll tell you the the number one reason why they have they were able to grow as quickly as they did is, is their training manuals about five pages because they sell, I think they sell five ingredients if you include the soda. Um, you know, so it's a very streamlined operation and they can roll it out quick. So we wanted Mutz to kind of take that, just do a few things really well 
have a full bar. Um, the real revenue stream is the is the membership model. Um, when you have uh, each dog pays sixteen ninety five a month, and mutts averages somewhere in the neighborhood of two to three thousand members per unit. Um, so when you have that automatic revenue stream coming in every month, it's pretty it's a pretty juicy. Um, uh, enterprise. Dude, there's so much I want to unpackage from this. And I feel like we're kind of overlapping to uh, our previous conversation, maybe a little bit. I don't remember a lot of this coming out, the scalability of Mutts and talking about that. You said it took you five years to figure out your brand. And what was that that process? And I think this is something that's important to bring to the surface because I feel like with all the conversation around vision, purpose, core values, and having all this brand identity aligned, um, people get overwhelmed at first. And I don't know. It's important to be mindful of those things and to have those things on your table, but I don't know if it's realistic to know exactly on day one who you are or what the brand is. It takes time for that to evolve. So break that totally. down for us. Well, you know, I, I think that's true in any business, but it, when you're when you are creating something completely new and different and unique, um, there's an extra added element because of challenge because you can't go reference something else, or you can't call, or you can't study another another competitor. You know. For example, um, our first business was uh, bowling barrel. I had never run bowling alleys, but bowling alleys existed, so I could go into competitors and kind of study it, and 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 I could uh, hire consultants to teach me about the bowling industry and 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 the mechanics behind it and the and the operations and the and the economics. So um, I had a point of reference for that, even though I had never owned or operated bowling alleys. I at least had a point of reference there. With Mutts, there's no point of reference because the business didn't exist before we created it. Um, and so it took us a long time to figure it out, and there was a lot of tweaking um, and a lot of just tinkering because we we had to get we knew we had to get it right if we were going to grow it. Yeah, and it sounds like you 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 you've only been franchising for the past year, but it sounds like early on in the life cycle of this concept, you knew that it had legs it could travel it could you could scale this thing is that true correct because I mean, it sounds That's like correct. you you designed it to be scalable um, with down correct. to the prefab to the simple menus to all these different things um and i think i think that's worth bringing to the surface too just the significance of of if there's something that has legs and it can be scalable how can we make it as scalable now before we start to try to scale it how can we simplify exactly. it how, and that's amazing you said um a week to hook up everything to that I mean that blows yeah. my mind yeah, r- roughly about a week to hook up utilities. I mean, you know, obviously there's some landscaping and some fences and things like that that you can do ahead of time. Uh, but once the building gets to your site, um, you can open pretty quickly, Yeah, which makes it just kind of simple and streamlined and painless and kind of what you're getting as an operator. Um, so we just, we love the model. And the other thing that really is interesting about MUTs and, and, and the building in particular is that because it's prefab and because it is portable, um, you can you can take advantage of you know a site for say five or ten years, and then pick up that building and move it somewhere else and and, and start the business over again. Awesome. So you can you know it allows you some flexibility. It literally has um, legs. <laughs> it literally has legs. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, and I would and I would like to point out that. It, it didn't take us five years to to be to perfect the revenue model. 
because Mutz was busy from day one. We the one thing we were not working on is is revenue. Yeah, um, because it was busy from day one. It, it was new. It's a fresh concept. It's cool. It's it's very um, plugged into the to the consumer of today and what that consumer is looking for and needs. And so, because of that, it was an instant success from a uh, from a top line revenue standpoint. What we had to do is really figure out the operations and the behind the scenes and the blocking and tackling the stuff that's not necessarily the the, the most fun or sexy. But the stuff that's critical to a health business long term, yeah. and it's even more critical that we were experts before we started having other people, you know, de- oper- try and operate it. Awesome. Um, the other thing that I'm, and I was thinking about saving this till later. I made a note to to talk about memberships, and that was something that I thought was really cool. There's a lot of people trying to find different ways to be profitable in the industry ways that are more sustainable for the business, right? Not just working on these small margins all the time. And I saw that, that membership approach. I was like that, I think that's going to be something that we see more and more of people, especially going into the future, especially with all that. I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but was, was this membership model something that you guys had established? When, when did that become established? Was that on day one or is that after five years? No, that was day one. Um, wow. and, and where the idea came from was, well, it really kind of came from two things. One, um, I love the idea of gym memberships because even if people don't use it, they're still paying. Um, so I, I, I've always been fascinated by that idea. But um, talking to a friend of mine who used to own car washes, um, car washes are obviously very very chunky business when the weather's good they're busy and when the weather when it's raining they're not even open yeah um well i knew we were an outdoor uh park and so our our ebbs and flows would follow a car wash yep and um and uh, talking to the car wash owner i said what what would be the one thing that if you could figure out how to do you you would do and he said well if i could get a if i could just give somebody a membership where they pay the same amount every month and they can get unlimited car washes throughout that month, that would be way easier because you can budget and yeah. you can plan. I'm sure you, you just can, put like a, a kind of, transponder like right in the car wash right there. So as people drive yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that's where the idea came from was we knew we were going to be very weather uh, dependent and we wanted to make sure that if we had a three week period of, of, cold weather or, or rainy weather or whatever that we survive. Well, the, 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 the way to do that was memberships. Nice. So the first of every month we have a lot of money coming into our bank account yeah. every month because before we even open. Yeah. I, I want to come back to that. Cause I think that that, I think part of what we need to do during this downtime is look at the future and say, how can we come back stronger? How can we as an industry choose to come back stronger and how can we share knowledge so we are stronger as an industry? And I, I kind of want right. to dissect that a little bit more, but you opened a new concept over this past year as well. We haven't really dove into that. So take us there. Well, we, so we were supposed to open a new concept, okay, so it didn't, but uh, it was supposed to happen this month. Oh, um, okay. And so it didn't, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much how much further we're, we're going to push it back um, after you know after the world starts reopening again. I don't know if a new concept is the right thing to open right away. Yeah, um, I, I it's my guess that people are going to want to go to their old favorites. 
they're all, you know, the, the, their favorite Italian restaurant that they go to or their favorite Mexican restaurant or whatever. Um, that's my guess is that people, the consumer, the pent up demand is really geared towards, uh, my reliable places that I, that I always go to, um, before the world shut down. I don't think that people are going to race out to try a new restaurant. Right well, yeah, let's, let's dissect that. But real quick, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Let's get real. Grease is a fact of life in any commercial kitchen. But with the grease fighting power of Dom Professional Manual Pot and Pan from P&G Professional, you'll clean more dishes in every sink compared to leading private label. Dom Professional has the power you need to fight tough grease and get those squeaky clean dishes you're looking for. With long lasting suds that clean up to 58% more dishes per sink and reduce sink changeovers by 35%, saving you up to 6,000 gallons of hot water per year versus private label. It's no wonder Dom Professional is the number one dish detergent in the U.S. P&G Professional's complete restaurant cleaning program includes products, equipment, and 24-7 service to deliver a noticeable clean that will keep your patrons coming back time and time again. To learn more, go to www.pgp.com. PRO.com and experience the grease fighting power of Dom Professional dishwashing liquid. You can find Dom Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Dom Professional. Now go get it. We're back and you're just getting into um, how you think that the market is going to is kind of longing to get back into those restaurants, their, their trusted brands. So that's kind of the, the, the train of thought. Pick it up from there. So I've heard the phrase new normal thrown around quite a bit. I, I think there is some truth to that, but I don't love it. Um, I, I think what we really want as consumers is getting back to normal. Yeah. Um, and getting back to the things that we love to do. We love to go to sporting events and concerts and go sit on a patio and have happy hour and, you know, go hang out with family and friends and celebrate a birthday at a steakhouse and, those are the things that we want to do and, and getting back to normal is really, I think what we want more than us being excited about the quote unquote new normal. Um, so that, I mean, I, you know, obviously no one knows. I mean, I mean, I have a, we all have apps on our phone that try and predict the weather and, and meteorologists have uh, years of practice and experience and, and tools and, um, Doppler radars and and they still can't even tell you what what weather's going to be like two days from now. Yeah. So uh, nobody really nobody really knows what's going to happen. But uh, you know, I do think that um, I, you know, and a lot of it's just based on my own my own desires and uh, my friends' desires, and my family's desires. We we just want to get back to some sense of normalcy. Yeah. Well, and part of that is going to eat at restaurants that we've always been, been to and that, that Friday night date spot that I was go to or whatever. So obviously I listened to our first interview before getting back on the call to kind of refresh the, the train of thought while we we're talking about things that were important to you, things that you attribute to your success. And one of the things that you, from the very beginning of last interview that you attribute to your success is that you're all about experiences. Like that's what you do. You yes. create experiences. You have bowling alleys, concert venues, dog parks where people get together. I mean, yeah, like the majority of restaurants, especially full service restaurants are about the experience. It's about 
getting a lot of people into a tight space, but you guys really, really rely on like that, bringing people together. Like, yeah. you know, like that's, no, your we business went all in on that. Yeah. So you're really affected by like, you know, you, no wonder why you want to get back to the old normal because the old normal was what's just, like, that was your business model, but bringing a lot of people together in a, in a tight space. So w- after me sharing that, like what, what, what's going through your mind as I'm saying these things? Well, so yes, I mean, we, we did, I mean, for like example, our to go program was non-existent before this. And that that was just just by choice because we felt like we wanted to get the consumer into the building to see, you know, a crowded space and see the bartender shaking drinks and have a musician on the stage or, you know, see the crowd and all that stuff and just kind of have and have that, that energy and that excitement. And it's hard to do that out of a to go package. Um, do you mind taking us through that and not to take you off your train of thought, but do you mind taking us through that process of implementing to go and pick up and delivery? I mean, I'm sure you guys put a lot of time selecting which tools and services you're going to go with and take us through that, that thought process and how you ended up where you are. Yeah, well it, 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 so I will say we're, we're initially we were down substantially and we're still, we're still down substantially but we went to probably close to zero night. We were down 99% Damn. when, uh, when, when the world switched to, to go take out, because that was never our model. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been able to build that up and we've, because of this, we've now seen a, a really interesting re- revenue stream that wasn't there before. So um, curbside takeout, that kind of stuff is here to stay. Um, I think that the, the real winners are the ones that can deliver the product uh, efficiently and, and the quality product for the consumer. But um, the other thing that we really tried to do and where we started seeing success is um, initially we just said, okay, here's our menu, order what you want, try and figure it out. Uh, but not everything's built to go or to, you know, to, for, for to go, for takeout. You know, there's certain cuisines that, that just thrive in that. But there's a reason why every pizza place and every Chinese takeout restaurant is doing really well right now because that those cuisines just do well in takeout. But you know, the, 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 the steakhouse that sells the the $60 dry aged beef cooked medium rare, Mm. when that sits in a plastic to go container for 40 minutes, it's just, it's not good. It's just steamed meat and it, you know, nobody wants that. So what we decided, what we had to learn and the, the restaurants that I am seeing that are successful with their new takeout delivery pro, uh, programs are able to modify their menu to be uh, friendly to that, uh, to that type of business. Um, so, you know, we, we added new menu items that started making sense for, for takeout. Um, but the other thing and, and the real game changer for us, um, was we, we started thinking, how can we create the, you know, our, our whole model is built on experience. So how can we still create an experience through the to go takeout, uh, model? Um, one of it's the, the drive through and you, we have it set up to where it's like a farmer's market when you drive through and it's, it's, and you can actually pick up produce and milk and eggs and butter too along the way. Um, but, but two, and more importantly, what we did is we, we are now doing uh, programs online where, um, you take home the milk meal kits and you can go online and watch a video, um, of say me and maybe, or maybe a musician, 
uh, teaching you how to cook that dish together. I didn't know uh, you were a great cook. I kind of assumed you guys outsourced for that, but I watched a couple of those videos, man. You know your way around the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love to cook. And um, so, you know, we, we've we seen a lot of success from that because it's it's now an experience for people and it's memorable. It's not just, it's not just a, a, a cheeseburger in a, in a styrofoam to go container, you know, that gets soggy and you eat it. 30 minutes later, kind of half cold. Let's dissect some of this. Experience. I want to pull, I want to go deeper in some of the best practices using social media to, to put together those, those um, experiences because you're still focusing on experiences, the remote experience. And that's one thing I wanted to commend you on. Um, we're going to get to this is that you're really great with social media. You're really great with being um, a representative of the brand. And I wanted to kind of, dissect that. But before we get into that next subject, um, you mentioned new menu items. When you're thinking of these new menu items, you say, does it travel well? What else are you considering when you're trying to develop new menu items? What's going on in the back of your head? I, I mean, I think a lot of it is just that. Does it travel well? And and where I start is, what would be good leftovers? Um, you know, some, some, some dishes are really great leftover. I mean, I... Give me lasagna the next day, and that's that's I would argue it's better than the second day than it is you know fresh out of the oven. Yeah, um, potato you know, salad certain, always better after a couple of days for sure. Yeah, Marinades. yeah. There's just certain certain dishes that just make great leftovers. So we went, okay, what's going to be a great leftover? And then and then if it's a great leftover, then that means it's great to go. It's a great to go contain or to got to go item. So for example, we didn't have. In te- well, in Texas, one of, uh, I guess, one of our historical dishes or famous dishes is called King Ranch Casserole. Um, if you're from Texas, you know what it is. It's, it's basically, it's kind of a southwestern lasagna, chicken lasagna uh, type of idea. And that thing, I mean, it, it, it is so good. Two, three days later, it's delicious. So we decided, let's, let's have a King Ranch Casserole yeah. for the menu. We're, we never have it on the menu for dine-in because nobody's coming in for a casserole. At a re- you just don't sell casseroles really at, at restaurants. Um, but a casserole to go for two people, I mean, those things have been selling like crazy for us. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's just really understanding uh, what the consumer wants, how the product will, will travel, but also you have to be on brand too. You know, I, just because pizza is good to go, I, I'm not a P, I, I don't have pizza restaurants, so I can't start just trying to sell pizza. Yeah. You know, it has to still be in line with the brand. So one thing that comes up often is um, how are you extending that user experience at home? How are you making the packaging interesting and all that? Is that something that you guys put a lot of thought into or? Are, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the whole idea of, okay, now we're all, we're all at home. We're having a cook. We're having a, a lot of us are having to just find, find things to do to kill the time. Um, so cooking has become an option for people. So we're, we are, uh, sending, you know, kind of prepared dishes that are, uh, that all the ingredients are there. Um, and handwritten instructions from the, from one of our chefs is there. And then you can go online and watch the video of how to prepare that. So, so are home. you doing so a video with every menu item? Thing. Is, is, is there a video with every menu item, like a step-by-step process for every menu? Uh, item? Not quite yet, but we, we have most of our menu is, is, is recorded. But I think that's, out. I think that's really smart to, to kind of compound off this, this experience theme, right? Um, a lot yeah. of people are doing like the, you know, here's the package for like how to make your homemade pizza, but to, to, to ship the, the items, um, 
in a way that they can be like like prefab or like like par cooked, right? And then you you put yeah. it in in a way that now you're you're teaching. Now you're like, this is how we do it in the restaurant. You can do it at home. Here's everything you need. That ties yep. into the experience in the videos that you're creating. The the personality behind that. The the bringing. Not only are they bringing your your food into their homes, they're bringing you into their homes, which is really interesting. What are some of the best practices we need to be considering if we want to take this approach? Well, um, I mean, I, I think obviously you got to be plugged into what the consumer wants from you. Um, but two, I think right now, uh, especially from a social media standpoint, um, you you need to either be helpful to people or entertaining to people. One of the two. Um, and, and so we've, we've tried to take the approach of being somewhat helpful, helpful, but also somewhat entertaining. Um, you know, for example, uh, the rustic brand is, is known for food and drinks, but it's also known for, for live music. And so we, I've had, uh, in fact, I have, uh, another artist coming today. They set up, uh, they bring their, you know, their microphone and PA system and, and set up in my backyard and, and do a, a 20 minute live stream concert. Um, cool. You know, so it, 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 it provides value to the guests from an entertainment standpoint and there's no ask for it. It's just, it's just, here it is. Enjoy, please enjoy while you're sitting at home. And I think that we'll be remembered when the world w- wakes back up again. Yes. Um, and will hopefully be top of mind for a lot of consumers. So the only other thing I really want to make sure we explore to respect your time before we start to wrap things up, because I think I only told you a half hour to 45 minutes. So I want to respect yeah. that um, is this idea of membership models. I think yes. that people are going to, especially because there's a lot of um, all this, this delivery. I think you're going to see a lot of restaurant tours kind of adopting that prefix send home like, blue apron type approach where now like like blue aprons got a lot of competition now i'll tell you that much because oh yeah but that's that's a membership model and i think that because Mm -hmm. this thing is looking like it's going to be at least another two months or another year before people get the confidence to go back out again like they like they did a couple months ago um that these membership opportunities are far very very plentiful very plentiful. Right. Um, are you guys looking at that? Are you, I mean, you already have the membership model going in one of your concepts. Have you seen the potential to cross utilize that, that, that model? If I could figure out a way to sell memberships to a restaurant, I would do that in a second. Um, uh, there's, there's very few examples of it working. Um, I know that there is like, uh, there's a, there's a wine uh, kind of concept that sells a wine membership. Uh, that basically you get a couple bottles of wine every month um, and you get like half off wine in the restaurant or something, but very few examples of that actually working. Why that is, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the, the fear of the, 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 the upfront commitment and it, it makes me kind of get locked in as a consumer to a certain restaurant. Maybe, I don't know. But I, I think but the, I the market supports that, that now because you could probably, you know, you could, you could offer a better deal, right? Like, Hey, you commit, mm-hmm to you know a, a month of dinners five dinners mm-hmm. a night 
We deliver these dinners to you at this fixed rate. Now you don't have to worry about ordering your part of the membership. You love this restaurant. You love all their food. And like, yeah. you just know at five o'clock, you know, you're going to get that delivery or like whatever, or on your way, or you can go pick it up at whatever time. I don't know. And maybe sometimes you don't. I love that idea. I don't know. Like I'm just spitballing right now, but I think it, we have to get creative. So, I mean, before we, we get into the speed round, what haven't we discussed up to this point? Um, what's your, what's your, uh, you know, free range concepts. What's your approach to, to, to survive this thing? What advice do you have for us to come up the other end of this thing? Well, I think the, the first thing we did, um, is we freaked out, um, like You're everybody else. Yeah. But then the second thing you do is try and get some stability and try and, you know, get, get to calm water so you can try and sort out the pieces and get a plan. Um, and I, I think that, uh, really courage and creativity are the two things that are going to get us all through this and the people that are successful will, 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 will um, have both of those assets in, in abundance. Um, because it, it, you know, you have to stay positive and be, I mean, you know, courage, it, it's interesting. It doesn't mean unwavering courage. Like you're never afraid. You can be afraid. You just, but you have to keep fighting. Yeah. You have to keep pressing on. And then the creativity component, I mean, you, you know, businesses have to pivot and they have to figure out other uh, opportunities because the world is going to be different, at least in the short term. Now, whether it's different long term, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that once I mean, you know, I was uh, we were having the talk the other day that after 9-11, um, people were saying, oh, office towers are not going to exist anymore because nobody's going to want to be in an office building or uh, people forget going to be on a plane anymore or anything like that. And then, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're uh, pretty resilient people and we, we want to get back to normal things. Let, let's be honest though. Like people are hardwired to, to socialize. It's we're social creatures. Yep. It's part of our DNA. Like yep. we aren't going to evolve out of that in a couple months. You know, we're going to be hungry no to get back out there and to socialize and to, to meet people and to date and to flirt and do all this stuff that we love to do in, in public, you know? Um, so it's just a matter yep. of time. I think before we're back out there doing stuff, um, any last thoughts, anything that you haven't gotten out before we, we, we take a break to take this, the, the, the sponsors. I just, I just think the biggest thing is that there, there, there is going to be an end to this, and um, the smart, the smart, savvy people will thrive. Yeah, awesome, great stuff. One more quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to bust out a quick speed round. I'm loving the conversation, man. You're doing great. Thank you. Thank you. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions, no more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on Prime 
costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5K. All right, we're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it's factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Uh, I think it's probably the the desire to take care of people. I love it. Last time you said to think big, to not be afraid to shoot for the moon. Oh, yeah. There you go. What is your biggest weakness? Um, that I think big. (laughs) (laughs) No, my, my biggest weakness is, uh, probably I would say today, um, that I'm, I am kind of fearless and I, I, I'm willing to push forward through fire. Right. Uh, high risk, um, high payout, but like, you know, I mean, that's up to the entrepreneur, right? Yeah. What's one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process when you're growing your team, what are you looking for? Um, do they have a servant mentality, a sense of hospitality? Same, same answer as before. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? How are you overcoming it? Our biggest challenge is understanding what the future holds um, in these uncertain times and how to best position ourselves to be successful. Uh, the good thing is we have, a, we, have a, we have a tight team. We have a creative team. We have a nimble team. Um, and we have a hungry team that is, they're, they're not afraid to work. Yeah. And, um, they actually are, are, we're, I would, I would argue that we are, um, even in these uncertain times, we're more productive now and, uh, and a better, stronger unit than we've probably ever been because of, because of this. Yeah. And I'm curious, um, where are you going? You said you're trying to stay on top of things. Where are you going to stay plugged in? Like, what are your resources that you trust to stay up, up to date? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first thing I had to do after about a week of being quarantined um, and and my company was shut down, um, I had to turn off the news. I had to turn off the news notifications because it was every morning, you know, I would wake up, pull up my phone and it was the world's ending, basically. It was yeah. all doom and gloom. And it just, it started my day every day just so bad. And mm. so I've actually avoided the news for the most part. Um, I've turned off all news notifications and where I get my, my information is actually talking to industry leaders. Um, I'm on the phone a lot with, uh, with people I respect, um, people that, um, you know, kind of mentored me and also people that I'm trying to mentor. Um, and so I'm just, I'm just communicating. It's constant communication um, now, also, I am uh, on the executive board for the Restaurant Association, so um, I am kind of uh, up to speed on lobbyist efforts. I mean, I've I've even been on a call with the president with the president uh, about three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so I do have uh, some access to kind of really up, live, up to date. Um, information on what's going on from a legislative standpoint. And I, I love, I love that you're going for advice within the, the industry. And that's kind of one thing that I am trying to echo right now is that, um, if change is going to happen in this industry, it's going to come from within. Yep. we can't look outside of our industry for guidance. It has to come from within. And, uh, Absolutely. it makes me feel good to, to know that, um, 
I'm out there talking to people too. So I think that's the best approach. Um, yeah. And I want to tip my hat to the Texas Restaurant Association because I feel like um, the restaurant association, the restaurant associations get a lot of flack for not really having the same um, presence or significance they once did with the advent of the internet and all this, but they're sure. proving their value right now for uh, advocation. Um, and like that's that's one leg that they that they that's still strong and it's still completely completely necessary to have that aspect in our industry. People advocating on our behalf, and they've been doing an incredible job of that. Absolutely, so without question. Yeah. And and I will tell you, um, you know, it's sometimes hard to get restaurant operators to join the association because they're like, I don't really get it. I don't really know what, what they do. You don't need well, it until you need it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're going to have a tough time after this. Yeah. It's, they, they have, the, the association has done a tremendous job uh, being an advocate for the industry. And we're, we haven't, we haven't received everything we want yet far from it actually, but we're, we've received a lot more than we would have had, there been no voice at all yeah sorry so much for a speed round that's my fault though i was pulling back later <laughs> uh share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team let's say that one more time share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team um it's a core take value. care of the person next yeah, to you yes i love it share one uncommon standard of service you teach your team so this is something that uh you guys do within your four walls go above and beyond what's expected that only you do or few and far in between do to serve their guests. Yeah. So it's, um, it's create remarkable memories. That's the, that's our company mission statement. Um, and our job as individuals and as a, as an organization is to, to try and create a remarkable memory for somebody. Share one book. That's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator. Um, say the bible okay you know that's not yeah, the first the, time but the, i mean it's the, it's the, the the standard for how to treat others right yeah exactly the golden rule uh, that's i think i think that's probably where you can stop i mean just the golden rule treat others as you want to be treated and that that, that that's that's all you need in the restaurant industry. Yeah. The last time you were on the show, you said "Good to Great" by Jim Collins, and uh, yeah, that book. I almost said that. Yeah, because I, I, <laughs> I knew I said it last time. Yeah, that book is on Audible. If you want to go check it out, it's a great book. Uh, what yeah. is one? This I think some new questions are going to come at you. By the way, so get ready for it. Uh, what's all one right. thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? Um, listen to their consumer. Mm. name one service you hired. This isn't a technology. This is a service that has a person behind it, but maybe uh, for branding or marketing or uh, design, or you fill in the blank, a person, a service that you've outsourced. That's been incredible that you would recommend to your restaurant tour friends. Um, we use our PR firm champion management does a tremendous job. They, they, uh, yeah, they do a tremendous job. And what is one technology you've adopted within the past year, maybe that's had a huge impact on your operations? Well, so we, we actually just signed up with a company called Table E um, that basically uh, has put buttons on every table. And each staff member has a Fitbit type thing that they wear. And then managers have one too. And uh, it will the guest needs something, they hit the button, it buzzes the server. If the server hasn't been over the table in 45 seconds, the manager gets buzzed. Um, and that was a great program for us. Um, and, and, 
That's when, when we had dining room. Right. And that's a first time mention on the show. That's table Lee, like table, 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 table E. So the word table hyphen E, like what's that? Yeah. Yep. Got it. Awesome. Yep. And what about, I'm curious what you said you weren't doing delivery and pickup before this, which do you, do you know which services you went for and why? Real yeah, we're, we're using in Texas. There's uh, one of the most popular ones is called favor. So we're using favor. We're also using DoorDash. Um, we haven't opened up to Uber Eats or anything else. Um, so those are the two that we went with. Got you. Uh, what about uh, for placing those orders? Now, we're using a POS that already has those options that integrates with those third parties? Yeah, you can actually, you, obviously, you can go old school and just call the restaurant. But um, you can go on our, onto the rustic.com and now place your order. Okay, gotcha. Um, all right. Um, so yeah, you can order through our website now. This is the last question. It's a doozy. I don't know if you remember it. Okay. But uh, if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Uh, three pieces. Um, take care of other people. Um. Do your do your absolute best and always smile. I love it. Last time you said treat others well, so there's a little bit of a an overlay oh, yeah. there. Uh be kind and be sincere, dude. I've loved this conversation. It's always oh, a pleasure yeah. to connect with you, Kyle. Thank you so much. And um who's one person you respect and admire who's been really impressive, maybe through this whole COVID thing, that you think should be a good guest mentor on the show like you made for us today? Uh that's that's a good question. I would say um well, who would I, I mean, there's so many right now. Um, I think, uh, I think Danny Meyer has done a tremendous job, um, kind of showing us a, a sense of hospitality and also leadership. Um, and then I don't know if you're familiar with the front burner guys, they, um, out of Dallas, they so, are uh, Jack and Randy have done a really good job as well. I'd love to get them on the show. Um, actually they were behind, um, the food court, aren't they? The food hall. Yeah. Yeah. The food hall. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to get them on the show. Thank you. Look out guys. I'm coming after you. And uh, there's gonna be a lot of people looking for work after this. So if we want to come join your team or maybe we have some questions, what's the best way to connect? Uh, come, come to our website, any one of our websites or just go to free range concepts.com. Um, yeah, I, uh, I would love to, I would love to talk to new talent. Yes. And this is episode 710. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 710. Uh, we'll be sure to, to summarize today's discussion as well as put any links, any tools and services that were recommended over there and your original conversation. That was episode 598, uh, 112 episodes ago. We'll link to that in the show wow. notes as well. And uh, Kyle, I can never say thank you enough for taking the time to continuously. I really enjoy this. this. You're, you're really blasted. Do. Thank you. I do. I do a lot of these and this is always this is always a highlight thank you very much that means a lot there is no question kyle you are unstoppable there we go another episode wrapped up here at restaurant unstoppable special thanks again to kyle noonan for coming back on the show and uh this is going to be uh i think you're going to see a lot of these repeat conversations not repeat but getting past guests on the show the idea of going deeper it's not about how many people you know it's about who you know and how well you know them and i really want to 
take that advice, take that mindset that we've learned from so many of our, our great past guests, our mentors, and apply that mindset of going deeper here at Restaurant Unstoppable and staying up to date with what's going on with our, our, uh, our network. So great stuff. Uh, I think the big takeaways from today's chat uh, is that if you're going through this pivot, um, you know, things to consider. If, you're, if your food wasn't meant to be delivered or brought home, um, then you got to start thinking about how you can uh, evolve your menu to accommodate that type of customer who's going to be either taking this home with them or getting it delivered to their house. Uh, and they've had to do that. Uh, also, think of things like what's good for leftovers and how can we make this experience of picking up our food for dinner more than just that more than just picking the food up and having something to eat but making it an experience and i think that kyle in the free range concept team has done an incredible job evolving and adapting so quick to be entertaining from um remote distances and to use social media to to use these tools at our disposal to create those at-home experiences i love this this idea of uh, doing the prefab meals and then teaching people about the the history of that meal and why you do it the way you do it at your restaurant and making that whole thing into a learning experience, right? And and, and literally being in these people's homes remotely is uh, really interesting. And I think you're going to be seeing a lot more people doing stuff like that. So awesome chat today. And guys, I got to remind you that these recordings are now on video. Head over to YouTube and search Restaurant Unstoppable. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and thank you in advance. And Come join our Facebook community. Uh, search Unstoppable Restaurant Owners and Operators on Facebook. Join that community in a, a little teaser. It's going to be getting harder and harder to join that community because I want to really limit it. It's about quality over quantity. So get over there and join that community uh, and be a part of the conversation. And I think that's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.